0: right good morning good morning everyone just took some water for the camera too so yeah good morning reach montreal how's everyone doing i hope everyone's doing okay and so today uh, we're going to be continuing our series in stories that jesus told so I'm really excited uh, to be here preaching again before you guys today, and it's such uh, a privilege and, you know, really it is an act of God's grace that I am able to be here preaching. And so, yeah, we're going to continue our series, Stories Jesus Told, and, you know, I've personally already been blessed by this series, Um, and even in the message that, that Dustin, Pastor Dustin, was speaking about last week. And so... When I was young, I, I always used to be fascinated. You know, when when I was like a new believer, I was always fascinated by Jesus's uh, parables and, and Jesus's teaching because I'd be like, "Wow, this this guy is so smart. Um, he's so wise, and it's like somehow he's able to just you know talk about such like like delicate topics as well. And he, and he always hits it on the nail. Like like lots of the times when when, when you're reading Jesus's parables. And you're going through it, and you're like, "Oh man, dang!" Like Jesus really, really, really hits that on the nail, and and that that's something that I, I would always be so amazed about. And you know, for me, like trying to like you know learn about who God is through His Word and and His parables, I would always kind of trying to be thinking as well, like, where do I fit in in this, right? So I, I'd be reading the parable, and you know, even going back to to last week where. Uh, Dustin was unpacking Luke 8, uh, the parable of the soyer or, or you know, the so the soils, and I, I I would read that and I would just be trying to think like and praying, God, I want to be that good seed, right? I want to be that good seed that that fell on good soil. But the thing is, is that although it's normal for us to try to want to figure out where we are in God's story and where we are, you know. In, in in the story of, of, of God's creation, the thing is that if we just simply go too fast to where am I in this, we tend to miss a lot about what the parable is actually saying. So even for that, to backtrack a little bit, it's not about being, you know, the, the seed that fell on good soil. It's not like that's like a one-time occurrence. That is every single time that the word of God is preached, right? And so there, and there's something there that I have to grasp by trying to understand, like, like who is God in this passage? And so today, as well, we're going to continue uh, in in one of the parables, and <clears throat> I want us to approach Scripture in a way where we want to know who God is first in this. Like, like let's approach Scripture and let's and let's be asking ourselves, who is God in this passage? How does He reveal Himself here? And what does this passage tell us about God? <clears throat> so my heart for you today, church, is that you would go away from this and you would be like, "I this is amazing to see God through this passage. I want you to focus on the word, and I want you to, to be like, wow, this is just so amazing. That you would be in, in so much awe that you would just be drawn to worship God because of who he is and, and who he reveals himself to be in his word. <clears throat> so... All right, we're going to read Matthew 20, verses 1 to 16. I I believe I have it up here. I think you guys can follow there too. That's good, that's good. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, All day, they said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. And now when those hired... First came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received the denarius. On receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, "These last at worked these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat." But he replied to them, "Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go." I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So, the first will be... The last will be first. And the first will be last. Okay. That is uh, a lot. And I don't know... I don't know if, in just kind of reading that the first time, if you even really grasped what the story is trying to say. There's a lot of things going on in that story. And actually, there is a lot of time that passes. Like, we're going from the first hour of the day to the twelfth hour, and there's a lot of things that happen in between. And I know we read that in a paragraph, and we're like, whoop, okay, alright. What's the point? What's the point of that passage? And maybe we even have, like, a ton of questions... Um like what's this thing about nightfall? Why are they stopping at at, at on the at the 12th hour? Like what's a denarius? Has anyone ever asked that? Is that like a dollar? You know? Like is that like me just like handing someone a dollar and 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 that's what they're paid for their work? <clears throat> and why are those guys in the market waiting around? Are they lazy? Right? Like, is, is this actually just a passage about laziness? So when we read this, we're like, oh, okay. Jesus, uh, I don't want to be, you know, if I, if I just take this from, like, a me perspective. Jesus, I don't want to be that guy that's, like, on the 11th hour who's not working. That guy's lazy. All right, okay, I guess, you know. <laughs> and then in my mind, I can close the book and be like, okay, I guess I'm done here. God is telling me not to be lazy. But you, you, you see what I mean? Like, we can easily just take a passage, and if we just start kind of, like, putting me at the center of it, we get to somewhere that doesn't even have any point to what the passage is trying to say. So, right, and wh- why, does, why does the master, right, keep going back to the marketplace? What's going on there? What's going on? Why is he even hiring workers? I don't know. So, you know, this, this also, so with all of these questions, right, it also had me thinking back to what Pastor Dustin was reflecting on last week. When he's saying, like, Jesus spoke in parables and he used images that people would have easily understood in that time. And so for me, and and maybe for us as well, like, reading that, we're like, okay, this doesn't make any sense to me. Or maybe a little bit. Once again, maybe I try to think about this is just a passage talking about work and laziness, right? I don't want to be one of the lazy servants. But this is something that people would have understood in their context, right? And so it almost makes you think once again like when when Dustin was was describing Jesus last week that like sometimes maybe he was sharing his stories and people would be like that's it like you're talking to us about farming again you're talking to us about like a vineyard now you're talking to us about seeds and sowing like these are things that we already know and 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 you're like you you're you're, ba- you're you're claiming to be God like you are you are Jesus and, and we're supposed to be coming to you for wisdom, and you share stuff about farming. Again, that kind of a letdown, right? Like, like why couldn't Jesus maybe talk to us about uh, string theory or something like that, or black holes? I think we're always interested in that. Like, why couldn't the God of the universe come with something, like, super profound in that? But then Jesus also goes on to say, like, like let him who has ears, let him hear. So let, let's try to understand, like, what Jesus is saying here. So we're going to go to um, verse 1, right? We're going we're gonna to go back to verse 1. And then we're going to stop. So, so verse 1, all right? For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. All right. So, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master. So once again, right in the first verse, we already see that this parable is actually about God. The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And so, there's there's already a lot in that. Like, God is this, like, he's this master, right? He's king of the universe. He is supreme. And... And he ha- he has a lot of things. He has dominion over everything and he is the master of this house. And he goes out early in the morning to hire laborers. Why is he hiring laborers for his vineyard? Let's unpack this a little bit. So I got to give kind of like I guess a shout out to John MacArthur's book Parables that really helped. It really helped kind of put me in the mindset of what it would be like to be alive in those times. So that was really cool. So I'm going to share some things with you here, okay? So So, God is, like, the owner of this vineyard here, all right, and grapes were planted in the spring, and harvest time is this really short period towards the end of of September, okay? Like, rain season is coming as well, so they need to harvest the grapes uh, relatively quickly, and it was, like, a hectic hectic time. And I guess maybe September is always hectic, right? Like, it's back to school and back to work, too, so maybe it's just how the calendar goes, I don't know. Um, But, it's this crazy time where, where, where the master would need more workers in order to quickly um, harvest harvest the grapes, right? And so what would be happening in this time, you would have this marketplace where the master would know where to go to find workers. And these would be these, like, temporary day workers. These are not, um, you know, full-time Salaried workers, these are temporary day workers who, you know, may be less skilled. They're doing hard work, but they would be viewed as doing things that are less skilled. And they would actually be really competing for jobs at this point. So a lot of the times what could even happen in these marketplaces is that someone, this wealthy person, would come... And then knowing that there's so much competition in that marketplace, you would have these seasonal workers or these, um, you know, simply day workers who would be earning minimum wage or even less because the stakes are really high for them. Like like if you don't work, you might not eat. Like those are pretty high stakes. Or if you don't work, you might not be able to go to your family and, and feed them. The stakes are really high. So if someone comes along who's kind of like, I don't know, like a penny pinching, like rich guy comes along, you, like, and, and because you know that you need to eat that day and you need that job, maybe the standard is like, let's say the standard is minimum wage, okay? You can agree to pay them under the table for less. Why not, right? Because you need to eat that day. So maybe you come and you sell yourself and you say, I'll do it for, uh, I don't know, 15 cents. How much is bread? Uh, 15 cents. I'll do it for 15 cents today. That'll feed me and my family, right? So y- you can negotiate that maybe, right? So you have these day workers who are sitting around in the marketplace. They're not lazy, okay? So it's already erased that. They are there because they're ready to work. They want to work and the stakes are high. They need to eat and they need to provide for their family. So once again, we'll say the standard for them was minimum wage. That's it. And they would certainly agree to terms less than that. If the day goes on as well, and you don't have a job yet, you know what? I'll do anything. Just work. Have me work and pay me something. I'll do it. And so we're going to continue on to verse 2, okay? So I'm going to read verse 1 again. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. I want us to stop right there because there's already something so important about what God is like here. He agrees for a denarius a day. That is not the standard wage of what they would expect. A denarius a day is for someone who has this good full-time job... And that would be considered a very good standard of living. If you get a denarius a day, you're good. That's what also the Roman guard would get too. That was a standard of living for a soldier. You'd get a denarius a day. These are workers that would not be used to this at all. Like, like you can get them to come for minimum wage or less. And this, um, this owner, this landowner is already coming, approaching people and being like, I will hire you for denarius a day. Okay? So imagine how thrilled they would have been at that. Like, they're in the marketplace. There's a lot of competition for jobs. He comes up to them and approaches them and says, I will hire you to go work in my vineyard for a denarius a day. It's like, whew, I don't know who you are, sir, but I'll work in your vineyard every day. How about I come back here tomorrow, same time, same place, and we keep working for this denarius. This is going to be something really good for me and my family. This is something so generous. This is something above what ...what is even required there. So I want us to even already take that and see... ...who is this vineyard owner... ...who represents God in this... ...and already see the radical generosity that he's coming at them at. Right? And so I'm going to keep going. On to verses 3 to 5. And going out about the third hour... ...he saw others standing idle in the marketplace... ...and to them he said... ...you go into the vineyard too... And whatever is right, I will give you. <clears throat> so they went, going out again, about the sixth and ninth hour, he did the same. All right, okay, a lot of things happening there as well. And so let me c- just summarize that first. So first, like, they say, like, there was, like, a 12-hour working day, you know, kind of from, like, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You know, you get, I guess, sunrise to sundown. And so the workers are there in the market, and uh, this uh, vineyard owner, this landowner, goes and approaches some people at 6 a.m., and, you know, they, and, and they're hired, and they get to work. And he goes back, he goes back to the marketplace, right? <clears throat> and, he, and, and he goes back, you know, the third hour, and the sixth hour, and the ninth hour. So that would be like three hours later, probably like 9 a.m. So if that's me, like that's the time I'm okay to work with, right? So maybe I would be the lazy person in this, in this parable because I would be going to work at like 9 a.m. I'd kind of skip out on the 6 a.m. one. That's a, you know, that's a good time to start. I'm okay with that. So they'd go out at 9 a.m., 12 p.m., so lunchtime and 3 p.m. Now, he doesn't actually tell them what he's going to pay them. He says, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give to you. Now, they would have been so desperate at this point. That first group at 9 a.m., they would have started to sweat a little bit. I'm like, man, it's getting hot in here. Like, we saw these other workers get taken at 6 a.m., and I see all these other people being taken, and I'm still here. And I know I need to provide for my family today. God, I hope you hear these prayers, because... I'm getting a little bit nervous. This would be at like 9 a.m., right? And so he comes, and they must have been so relieved. And he doesn't tell them how. So they're like, yeah, I'm going to work. Don't worry. The master's like, I will pay you what I see fit. Whatever's right, I'll give you. And they're like, okay, thank you. I got work. Like, this is a good day. I was waiting around for three hours. We've got nine more hours left in this workday. We're okay. I'm eating. Family's eating. We're really happy. But then he goes back at like noon. Like, imagine that. Like, going back already at noon... And doing the exact same thing. Like, those people there would have been like, yeah, my chances are basically slim here. I'm not working today, right? I don't know what to do. Maybe, I, may, maybe they just hold on to it, just hoping that someone will come along and give them work. But he goes back at noon. And on top of that, the crazy thing is, this is like after lunch. He goes back at 3 o'clock as well. 3 p.m. in the afternoon. That is already like... There's only three hours left in the workday, and he says the same thing to them. He hires them, and he says, I'll give you whatever is right. Come and work in my vineyard. This is crazy, right? So there's a lot of things even going on here, maybe a lot of questions that we have. Why is this owner going back uh, two, three, four times back to the marketplace? Why didn't he just hire everyone at the same time? He seems pretty generous. He's telling them he'll deal with them fairly. We don't know the answer to that. But remember, this is God's vineyard, and God is sovereign. And like, he is wise beyond our, our wisdom. And he, he, he dispenses his grace and his kindness as he chooses. But some of the commentaries even say about this passage is that the reason why this owner is going back is that he almost, it's almost like he has compassion on them. It's almost like he knows that they are so needy and that they are not going to eat today, and that they are just holding out in the marketplace, just hoping that they get work for that day. But this master is so good, he's so kind, he's so generous, he's going back a second, a third time, a fourth time, and he's going back to hire these workers. That's crazy. That's crazy. And that's it. Some of the commentators even are saying that it's like he has compassion on them. But I want you to envision, I want you to understand that this parable is about God. And just look at how amazing he is even in this. That his kindness, his generosity, his grace is everywhere in this passage. As it is all throughout scripture as well. But there's something so amazing with that. Is that he's, he's looking at these people in their condition. He's looking at them in their poverty. He's looking at them in their suffering. And he's not just standing back. He's active. Man, I want to work for that. Uh, landowner for sure but something even crazier happens okay and if we if we and if you know and so i want to read this actually this quote um from uh john MacArthur in his book parables okay at the third hour 9 a.m the landowner went back to the marketplace the parable portrays him as a kind and generous man not abusive or profit monger So perhaps he didn't need these extra workers so much as he felt compassion for them because of their extreme need. There were still many in the marketplace who were out of work. They were standing idle, not because they didn't want work, but because no one had hired them yet. And so let's move on to verse 6, okay? Verse 6 of this parable. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said, because no one's hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Go on, go ahead. This is the 11th hour. This is like, like this is literally would, would be 5 p.m. And work ends at 6 p.m. Like, 11 hours of work has already gone on. Those workers from 6 a.m., They've been out in the hot sun working hard since like 6 a.m. And these people would have been in the marketplace all day. This is the 11th hour. This makes no sense. So I did a little bit of math. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'm a bit of a nerd. But I did a little bit of math. And hopefully my math is right. Because that would be really embarrassing. But like 11 hours out of a 12 hour day is, is like 92% of the work day. So that's like there's only an hour left, and some guy's coming along still wo- looking for workers and telling them that he's going to hire them and that they can work for him. That is crazy. So I know we work, like, on average, like an eight-hour day here. So I did some math, right? I told you guys I did some math. And so if you're working, like, a seven to three, eight to four, or nine to five, that would be, like, starting work 24 minutes before ending. Like, who wants to do that? I, I, I'll do that, right? Like, like... Starting work 24 minutes before NA. So it's like, if I work a 9 to 5, I'm starting like, I'm starting after 4.30. Guess what? I'm going to be pretty useless at work. Like, what can you actually do in that time? Can you do anything? Like, I'll I'll tell you what I would do. I'd go sit down. I'd turn on my computer. Probably fuss with some of the cables. That's going to take at least, you know, five, six minutes, right? Got an easy way into the day, right? That'd take like five, six minutes. Hopefully my boss isn't listening to this. That would take like five, six minutes, and then I would start checking some emails, scrolling through, you know. But I was like, wait, I gotta, I'm going to stop scrolling through because I'm going to go get some coffee. I, I need to wake up. I need to be alive here. I'm going to go get some coffee. And then once I start doing that and check my emails and play with the cables a little bit more, then I can start working. Guess what? My day would be done. It'd be like, you know, there you go. Sit down with the coffee. Drink some coffee. And I'd be like, I'm done. Nice, that was a good day. It's 5 o'clock. Let's go home. Let's go home. It's time to go home. That is crazy. He hires them at the 11th hour. So it's like, you can imagine getting there, and it's like, all right, the workers there have already been working, and then they're like, hey, what are you guys doing here? We end work in an hour. Hey, we'll show you what to do. So here's like the, uh, I don't know, cutters or whatever. This is how you use it. And it's like, the moment they probably get up and start doing it, it's like, the day's probably done. So I, I cut one branch. Woo, Great. Oh, see you guys tomorrow, right? That is crazy, and and you know we don't know why. Like, and once again, like like the landowner asked them, like, like, like what are you doing? Why are you standing here? Why are you here idle all day? And they said, because no one hired us. Once again, this is God being compassionate. This makes no sense. This makes no sense that He would approach them at the eleventh hour and and ask them to work. And you know what? Why weren't they hired? <clears throat> Doesn't stay specifically. Maybe they're. Weaker workers. Maybe they're older. Maybe they're not able to work. Maybe there's nothing desirable about them, which is why they weren't hired. Maybe it was bad luck. But maybe not. Like, we're talking about the 11th hour, and what are they still doing there? Maybe they're still holding out. Maybe they're just holding out in in some kind of, like, faith or belief or trust that God's going to provide. Or maybe they can't stomach it to go face their families with no money and no bread. And here is God in this parable approaching them at the 11th hour and telling them, come into my vineyard. That's crazy. That's crazy. He doesn't tell them what he's going to pay them either, but they're like, this is better than nothing. Like, at least I get to work today. Like, who is this really, really kind master? And they're probably thinking they know that they are, at this point of the day, they're completely useless, Right? And that maybe they're not the best workers. Everyone in, in the marketplace, the other landowners that come by and pass over them all throughout the day as well. So can, 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 can we agree to know that like th- this, it's either really, really bad luck or there is nothing desirable about those people. And God still approaches them in his kindness, as we've even seen in every single hour in this parable, and offers them to come and work in his vineyard. Okay, that's amazing. That's really cool. God's grace is, like, mind-blowing. God's kindness is mind-blowing. And how he has compassion on us. And the people that know that they need him, that they receive this amazing joy. So we're going to go on to verse 8. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages. All right, workday is done. It's time to get paid. This is the best part, right? This is what they're thinking. And so I want to just pause there to also kind of say just how honorable this master is, okay? Because this master, you know, who's portrayed as God in this, he is not some penny-pinching, cheap master who abuses his workers— who has them work extra hours. He's honorable, he's kind, he's gracious. He honors and he also respects the Mosaic law. In Leviticus 19, 13, him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. And Deuteronomy 24, 14 to 15, you shall not oppress a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of your sojourners who are in your land within your towns you shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets for he is poor and counts on it lest his his cry against you to the lord lest he cry cry against you to the lord and you be guilty of sin like this is amazing this landowner is so kind he's so generous he's so honorable it's like 6 o'clock, it's sundown, it's like, alright guys, it's, we're done, and I'm going to pay you, so you can go home, eat, be with your family. He's not looking to take advantage of them. He didn't go to the marketplace and try to use the competition in his favor to pay them less than even minimum wage. He goes at them and says to the workers at 6 a.m., I'm going to give you a denarius today. And those workers at 6 a.m. would have been overjoyed. And so we're going to keep reading. Beginning with the last, up to the first. So call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. No way. No way. <clears throat> We've already said the denarius is a very comfortable wage. It's a very good, you'd have a really good job. You know, you, you, you have your needs taken care of there. These workers would be used to being paid already. So denarius is here and minimum wage is like right here. They'd be used to minimum wage or even less, right? Because competition is so fierce. These people sitting in the marketplace up until the 11th hour, like I said, maybe they got one snip of their whatever tool and they're done they got one grape god calls them in it's sunset and says and here you go here's one denarius for your work whoo you can bet those people were probably dancing (laughs) like denarius like i did nothing like like i don't deserve this like a whole denarius and i must have been like sir i'm gonna come back and work for you tomorrow too (laughs) you know they had have been so happy and so overjoyed at that pay. That is so mind-blowing. Like, God's generosity, God's kindness, His grace in this is just mind-blowing. They knew they didn't deserve that. But check out this plot twist. Verse 10. Now those, now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received the denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat? But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for Daenerys? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as... I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose, what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? And so, the last will be first and the first will be last. That's crazy. Because let's let's backtrack to 6 a.m. Those workers would have been overjoyed to get that job. And they would have been thrilled. They would have probably been dancing up to the vineyard saying, oh my goodness, I just got a job at 6 a.m. And I'm being paid a denarius today. Amazing. I got all that I need. And that would keep going on, you know, 9 a.m., lunchtime, that's really late. And that would be keep going on to the day... But when they see God's kindness to someone who is, in their eyes, less deserving of them, they grumble at God. They're upset. In the Greek, it's this word, it's, it's, an, it's an onomatopoeia. For one, you know, they're grumbling and complaining and murmuring. I don't speak Greek, so I'm going to butcher this. But it almost sounds like like a, like a murmuring uh, he goes on. I don't know. That was really bad. Please delete that. But basically, it's like they're 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 like growling. They're like, this is what is this master doing? He's not treating us fairly. That's crazy. It's been famously said, comparison is is the thief of is the thief of joy. Like, look at this. They would have been so thrilled. They were so thrilled early in that morning to get that denarius that day. That is an amazing job. Like, like they they want they should want to be lining up. But they're thinking like. Wow, if he got one, he worked one hour, I should get twelve. Really? That's crazy. That's 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 crazy. Like, it says in verse 15, am I not allowed to do what I choose, what what belongs to me, or do you begrudge my person my, my my generosity, right? And so, you know, that's the thing. All of these workers were actually needy. They needed the money. They needed a job. They needed their sustenance. They needed to eat. But the ones who were hired at 6 a.m., maybe they were more physically fit. I don't know. Maybe they're a bit younger. Are begrudging the master's generosity to those he hired later on in the day. They are in no place to hold that grudge to the master. Because the master's treated them so kindly, and that's the thing. They knew they needed that. They, would have been, they were so overjoyed to receive that. And They knew that that was an amazing wage for them. But as they compare themselves, they think that they are more entitled to receive that kind of compensation as well. And then as the day goes on, then they start holding it to the master. See, the thing is, they're all, they're, they all are extremely needy, but they are seeing those other people at the 11th hour treated with the same generosity. But in their eyes, they're thinking that they're less deserving. And you know, maybe that's the same for us too, right? Right? Maybe for a lot of us, we've been following Jesus and we've been working since 6 a.m. Like God has called us. And as time has gone on and we're doing his work, we start to think, God, you owe me. God, I've done all these things for you. Where are you now when I ask for this? You owe me. Why did this person get blessed like that? They don't even read their Bible. What's going on here? And we, we, we come to God with, with, this, with this, like, mindset of entitlement. Because we've been working since 6 a.m., maybe some of us. And we hold this kind of, like, religious grudge to others. And we don't allow God's grace. And we don't celebrate God's grace. God, let us never turn to that. Let us be reminded of the kindness that you've always extended to us and that we are needy people. We need you. It doesn't matter what time of the day we started work. We needed that wage that day and you're the one that was generous going into the marketplace several times a day seeking us out, employing everyone because you had compassion on us, that you've called us into your kingdom, that you've given us the gift of eternal life So how dare we hold this grudge to you on how generous you treat us and, and you treat others. And you know, even you know when you when you when you look at the cross as well, grace like doesn't doesn't make sense, right? Like think about it, like fast forward to Matthew 27, like verse 44, Jesus is on the cross, and there's these rebels beside him, crucified with him. And they're hurling insults at him. Now, save yourself, right? Yeah, you're king of the juice. You can save others, but you can't save yourself. And they're going in with him, mocking him. But then we read in, in Luke's gospel, in chapter 23, that, that one of the thieves on the cross, who would have truly deserved death, like what they did would have deserved capital punishment at that time, Asked him to remember him. He asked him to remember him. This would have been someone who would have lived in a way, <laughs> you know, who would have been accused to be a murderer. You know, kind of like Barabbas, right? Like, Barabbas probably should have been crucified there with him. This guy knows nothing about Jesus. He's messed up. He's broken. And Jesus says... Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Man, we're reading these people being like hired in the 11th hour. This guy was hired in the last minute. All right? Amazing. And guess what? That thief on the cross gets what everyone else here gets in Christ, his infinite riches. That thief on the cross enters into paradise, as you and I will, as we know Christ, as we belong to Christ... We will enter in the same paradise that these Hall of Fame saints have. Peter, James, John, Paul, and the thief on the cross. One minute. Last second. Before he's dead. He didn't read no Bible. But what I'm saying is, was like you cannot tell God how he can use his grace and his kindness... And how he calls all these people to him at different times. That's his sovereignty. That's the story of the cross, right? And on the flip side, then you have Judas spending all the time with Jesus in the world. Would have enjoyed the best Bible studies and everything and whatnot. Would have walked with Jesus for three years. And he betrayed him. And why did Jesus share this parable? If you go back to the previous chapter, and chapter 19, and you go to also to chapter 21, there's a couple of instances. There's this rich young ruler that approaches Jesus and is like, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life, you know? I did all the things that you told me to do. And and, and Jesus challenges him on things. But then after that, the disciples are like, wow. Who can be saved? Like, this is a so-called righteous person, seems to have done everything right. And Jesus challenges him to sell his possessions and come and follow him. And he's really downcast because he's like, I have a lot of things, I can't do this. And then the disciples afterwards are like, Jesus, what are we going to get? Like, I mean, like, who can be saved, but what are we going to get? Like, we've left everything to follow you, so what do we get? And Jesus answers and says, first will be last, and the last will be first. Huh? And he goes on to share this parable and this example of how his grace and how his kindness is there. And in Christ, yes, we will get riches, but those riches are knowing Christ, that is being in his kingdom, that is being in the vineyard with the landowner. But they don't Understand it, it takes them a long time to figure that out because in chapter 20, um, the sons of Zebedee um, kind of convinced their mothers to go and ask Jesus about being at the left and right of him, right? Like they still want to be elevated. They feel like that, that as time is going with Jesus, that there's like an entitlement growing there and building. Church, we can never forget that we need God. All of us are needy. We would have all been in that marketplace. And I want to read Ephesians 2 to you, as it says here. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So I just want to remind you that God gives the same abundant grace to everyone who follows Christ. Our salvation is not earned. God continues to call workers, he's sovereign, and he calls workers into his kingdom when he sees fit. God calls the needy, He calls sinners not the self-sufficient or self-righteous. And that our self-righteousness or our desire for self-sufficiency, our me mentality is going to completely blind us to God's kindness and his grace. And he always gives us more than what we deserve. And we should celebrate that. As a church, we should celebrate that in our own lives. Like, we got to remember, like, as we continue to go through life, like, it's 6 a.m., and, and the heat gets hot, and maybe, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of work, you're sweating a lot, and we start to grumble, we start to complain, but we got to remember that God always gives us more than we can deserve. Let's remember to preach to each other and to ourselves and remind each other of the gospel and the truths of it. And let's celebrate when God does those acts of saving people um, and these, 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 these radical acts of kindness to others who we think don't deserve it, but the truth is none of us deserved it. We were all dead in trespasses and sins. And that's everyone. There's no exceptions there. We were still those needy workers there in the marketplace looking for a job so that we can eat that day. But God always gives us more than we deserve, and that is amazing. And so this parable is about God, the master, The landowner who goes out into the market, who seeks people, who brings them in because of compassion, and who agrees to pay them way more than what is required. Because he's not stingy. God is kind. God is generous. This is who he is. This is the amazing God that we serve. And he will always give us what we need. Well, let's not let our own pride and our own Self-entitled feelings get in the way of God's blessings for us. So with that, I'm going to pray because I actually started my timer late. I have no idea how long that was. And so we're going to pray. God, I just pray and ask that you would remind us of your kindness. A lot of the times we say things and as time goes on, maybe... Maybe we receive it with joy, but as time goes on, we forget those things. So God, remind us that you are kind today. Let your scripture be burned in our hearts. That we would know you and remember this. God, thank you for showing grace and for saving us. For giving us your gift of salvation. None of us deserved it. Thank you for seeking us out. Thank you for caring for our needs.